If you have a copy of God's Word, turn to 1 John chapter 3. 1 John chapter 3. We'll begin reading with verse 7 through 10. Little children, let no man deceive you. He that doeth righteousness is righteous, even as he is righteous. He that committeth sin is of the devil, for the devil sinneth from the beginning. For the purpose of the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil for this purpose. He was manifest he might destroy the works of the devil. Whosoever is born of God doth not commit sin, for his seed remaineth in him, and he cannot sin because he is born of God. In this the children of God are manifest, and the children of the devil. Whosoever doeth not righteousness is not of God, neither he that loveth not his brother. By God's grace, we're going to look at these verses this morning and try to expound them to you. Our Heavenly Father, as we open up thy word, may you give us ears to hear and eyes to see the things of God. Bless his truth to our hearts. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Amen. This truly is a marvelous section, and it could be very confusing to a young believer. If you haven't studied the word of God, if you haven't looked into these things, you could get confused. And well, it seems to be teaching that we cannot sin once we become a Christian. But as you heard what I preached last Sunday, that's not what it's teaching. And I want to come back and lay a foundation to encourage you this morning that the battle is of the Lord and that the victory has already been won. What John is dealing with here is is evidences of being a child of God. The evidences. Not are you a child of God or not, but the evidence of being a child of God. And because that, and this, for that reason, I want to go back and bring out a few pre, uh, primary truths to you. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 3.11, For other foundation can no man lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. If Christ isn't the foundation of your salvation, you have no salvation outside of Christ. Because there's no other name given among heaven whereby we can be saved except the name Jesus Christ. God himself, the Father, has united you and I and put us in Christ. There's one verse that says that directly. We know we were chosen in Christ, but this verse says he put us in Christ. 1 Corinthians 1.30 But of him, of the Father, are ye in Christ. So how do we get in Christ? The Father put us in Christ. Who of God is made unto us wisdom. Christ is our wisdom and righteousness. He's our righteousness and sanctification and redemption. So we can say Jesus is all that we need for salvation. Nothing we do in our daily lives adds one iota to what he's done. We live for Christ because we love Him. We walk with Christ because we want to walk with Him. We follow Him because we want to follow Him. But not for salvation. 
Now, I want to make that distinction this morning. Salvation was purchased by Jesus Christ, as we're going to see as we go through this section this morning. First of all, He's our wisdom, 1 Corinthians 1.30. He's your wisdom. The Word of God says, If any man lack wisdom, let him ask of God. Jesus Christ is both the wisdom of God and the power of God, 1 Corinthians. He's as your righteousness. He's our righteousness, as it says in this verse. In the Old Testament, it says, Jehovah, our righteousness. Who is that? Jesus Christ. Doing righteousness does not make us righteous. We do righteousness because we are righteous in Jesus Christ. Christ is our righteousness. But I want you to think, because you're practicing righteousness, that's not the cause of righteousness. It's the evidence, Brother Dave, of being righteous in Jesus Christ, who is our righteousness. Hallelujah. I want to make that distinction clear so you don't misunderstand what I'm saying. We don't do things to become saved. We don't follow God to become a child of God. We do these things because we've been born again of the Spirit of God and there are evidences that we have passed from death unto life. So if you think about righteousness this morning, think about His righteousness is imputed to you and that's why you're able by the new birth to do righteousness. What a beautiful thought. It says in 2 Corinthians 5.21, For He had made Him to be sin for us. He bore our sins in His body on the tree. Who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. Our righteousness is in God, in Him, in Christ. Paul says in Philippians 3.9, And be found in Him, in Jesus Christ, he's talking about, not having my own righteousness, because our righteousness is filthy rags, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. By faith we lay hold of Christ's righteousness is our righteousness. Somebody says, well, how do you stand? I stand in Christ. What are you depending on? I'm depending upon Christ's righteousness. Not by works which we have done, but according to His mercy He has saved us. He's our sanctification, as He says in this verse. John 17, 17 says, Sanctify them through Thy truth. Thy word is truth. Jesus even is our sanctification. He's our salvation. He's our hope. He's everything to the child of God. Sanctify them through Thy truth. Thy word is truth. He says, As your redemption, 1 Corinthians 1, He's our redemption. Redeem means to buy back out of bondage. We were bought out of bondage by Jesus Christ. Peter says, not with silver and gold but and those things, but with the precious blood of Christ, we were bought with a price. Jesus' blood bought us. Ephesians 1.7 says, in whom we have redemption. How? Through His blood, the forgiveness of sins. God forgives us of our sins because of Christ's blood being shed for us according to the riches of His grace. Every time a sinner is forgiven, there's an evidence of grace being manifested. Every blood-bought child of God is a vessel of the richness of God's grace. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourself, it is the gift of God. Not of works, lest any man should boast. Christ is our surety of the new covenant. Hebrews 7.22 By so much more, by so much was Jesus made a surety of a better testament. He's the, he's the surety of the new covenant. 
He guaranteed the Father he would die for us. He would lay down his life. He would shed his blood. And one day he's coming back again. And he's going to bring all his children home. Now I want you to know that's your foundation, not what you're doing. You're not saved by works. The things that we practice in life is an evidence that we are a child of God. It's an evidence that we have been born of God. So in verse 7 he says, little children... He's got that fatherly attitude now. He's speaking to his little children. Let no man deceive you. And we know today there's many deceivers gone out in the world. As Brother Dave mentioned about so many teaching today. They're teaching false doctrine. He that doeth righteousness is righteous. Even as he is righteous. It means do not let, do not let Anyone leads you astray. There's many preachers today who lead, would lead you astray concerning the things of God. I'm sad to say that there are some this morning would lead you astray on Romans 8.28. They don't believe that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to His purpose. They deny that. They would lead you astray. Oh, that only applies to some things. Beloved, I'm here to tell you what God's Word says. He says all things. It means all things. So we have to be careful. The false teachers, tools of Satan, the arch deceiver. We're seeking to lead the, lead the saints astray. Not only theologically, but morally. These Gnostics were teaching them, don't worry about sin. We pass, we're so smart, we don't worry about sin no more. That's what they was teaching, Gnosticism. And that's what John is dealing with in this chapter. The practice of righteousness is not said to make one righteous. Because you practice righteousness, that's not what made you righteous. Rather, righteous conduct is the sign or evidence of righteous character. In other words, you've been born again by the Holy Spirit. Only those who've been born again by the Spirit can practice righteousness. You're dealing with having a nature of God, being born again of God, or you have the seed of Satan in you, you're still lost in trespasses and sins, and we're going to see they're doing what they do because they still have the fallen nature. And they're living continually. They do not have a new nature. They're not born of God. In 1 John 2, 1, it says, My little children, these things I write unto you that you sin not. We're not to practice sin. That shouldn't be our attitude. And if any man sin, then he comes right around and said, but if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. He's there to run to our aid when we sin. He runs to my aid all the time. He's there. He's there to forgive me. Remember the verse in 2.29, it says, <clears throat> if you know that he is righteous, talking about Jesus, you know that everyone that doeth righteousness is born of Him, born of God. In 1 John 3, 3, he said that every man that hath this hope in Him purifieth himself even as he is pure. Because we are as pure as He is because His righteousness is imputed to us and we stand before the Father in His righteousness, not in our own righteousness. Our righteousness is Jesus Christ's righteousness. 
and the righteous works that we do in our lives, the fruits of the Spirit is given to us of God the Holy Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, meekness, gentleness, kindness, long-suffering. These are the things God works in our lives. And they can be seen by evidences. But where do they come from? They come from that new nature that God gives us through the Holy Spirit in planting those fruit in our lives. And in verse 3, 5, he said, And you know that He was manifested to take away our sins. And in Him is no sin. Christ came to do away with the sin question. He came to redeem His people. He came to sanctify His people. He came to cleanse His people. He came to pay the price that there's therefore, as we're going to see, there's no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. And I gave myself a little note. Remember, John is teaching that a child of God does not practice sin as a habit. Mark that down. God's children do not practice sin as a habit. In other words, they don't live to sin. It's not their desire to sin, 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 sin. When we sin, it grieves us. And then if we don't deal with it, God deals with us in chastisement. And then we confess it. And it's removed out of the way from hindering us. And we see, I'm going to come back now and read you these verses I read last week where the word doeth, committeth, lawlessness. I'm building a case to show you that when we get down to verse 10, it speaks of because the seed of God remaineth in him. I'm going to show you that a person doesn't sin because they've been born again. That's talking about the divine nature. We'll get to that. But I want to build the case here with these verses again showing you that the word doeth, the word committeth, commit and doeth is in the present tense, active voice, indicative mood. You say, what does all that mean? I'm glad you asked me. The tense of the verb is present. The kind of action is continuous, continuous, habitual. So the person that's doing righteousness is habitually, continually doing righteousness. That's what it's saying. And in 1 John 3, 2.29, it says, If you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone that doeth righteousness, there's that word doeth, present tense continually habitually practicing righteousness, is born of him. It's an evidence that the person is born of God. Not saying that's the cause of his righteousness, but it's an evidence that he's born of God. And then chapter 3 and verse 4. Whosoever committeth sin transgresseth also the law. Committeth there is again in the present tense, active voice, indicative mood. He's present tense, continuously, habitually sinning. This is not talking about occasional sins. It's talking about someone who lives a life of sin. Get that clear in your mind what John is dealing with. Now, there's a difference between occasional sins. If we do occasional sins, what do we do? We confess it. First John 1 John 1.9. Jesus comes to our rescue to, to one. If in a man's sin, we have an advocate with the Father. But these people who are living a life of wickedness, a course of wickedness, habitually, it's an evidence that what? They've never been born again. 
Now, this is not what I'm saying. This is what the Word of God teaches. And then verse uh, 7, little children, let no man deceive you. He that doeth, there's a word, doeth righteousness, is righteous, even as he is righteous. In other words, a Christian, a child of God, should be someone who's habitually, continually practicing righteousness and being obedient to God, following Jesus. Simply, if you follow Christ, Jesus said, if a man follow me, he shall not walk in darkness. You can't be for Christ and against Christ. You're either on one side or the other. Jesus says, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not continually, habitually walk in sin, in darkness. It's so simple when we look at it that way. No, verse 8. He that committeth sin is of the devil. What he's saying there, those who habitually, continually practice sin are of the devil. Of means out of, ek, out of the devil as the source. We'll see that in a few moments. Verse 9, whosoever is born of God, out of God, doth not commit sin, does not habitually practice sin. Do you see what John is teaching here? He's not saying the Christian cannot sin, then that would deny 1 John 1, 8, 9, and 10. But he's teaching that a child of God doesn't practice habitually sin and live for sin, and his desire is to sin continually. And then in verse 10 he says, In this, the children of God are manifest, and the children of the devil. Notice what he said. Whosoever doeth not righteousness. That word doeth is, again, present tense, continually, habitual. Anyone who is not habitually following Jesus is being manifested that they're children of the devil. By their conduct, by their inward character. You cannot act contrary to your nature unless you're born again. This is Now you can see why Jesus said so to the point to Nicodemus, you must be born again. Why? Because without the new heart, without a new nature, you cannot please God. You cannot follow God. You have no desire for God and you will not follow God because the carnal mind is enmity against God. And it goes on to say, Whosoever doeth not righteousness is not out of God. Neither is he that loveth not his brother. It's natural for you and I to love one another. Because why? We are of the same family. We are of the family of God. We have loved ones in this world of our natural family that we will never see again in glory, I'm afraid to say, if they're not born again. If they're not the family of God, we'll never see them again. And I know that breaks our hearts with some, some of our loved ones. But we have to face reality. Lest them be born again, they should never see heaven. They should never see glory. Verse 8. These are foundational truths. As Brother Dave said, these are things we need to understand. There's a difference between a child of God and a child of the devil. And it's by their attitude towards sin. Anyone who can sin continually, daily, and love it, and I'm not going to go into any specific sins in particular, but the lifestyle is one of sin. You can pretty well say, unless God's grace intervenes, they're children of the devil. 
from, from their nature that's within them. We'll get into that in a few minutes. He that committeth sin is of the devil. For the devil sinneth from the beginning. This is the only uh, place in John, in the epistle of John, where he mentioned the word devil. He does mention the wicked one. The devil sinneth from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. And, you know, that's something to think about. He didn't just come to just, just to die for our sins and take us to heaven. That's part of it. But he came to destroy the works of the devil. He that maketh sin his business or practice, act out of, and he who continually sin, who does sin, is out of the devil as a source. Where does evil come from as a source? Out of the devil. What happened? How did that happen? We're all born depraved. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We are born with a nature that's contrary to God. That seed of Satan that was put in, that they took, and Adam and Eve fell in the garden. That seed, that wickedness is, in, is imputed to all of his offspring. We're all born into this world sinners. We'll get into that in a few minutes. Therefore, the contrast it creates is between doing righteous deeds or doing sin. Between being righteous like Jesus or being wicked like the devil. Now that's what John is saying. We're either going to be righteous like Jesus or you're going to be wicked like the devil. And it happens by according to how you live, your conduct, how you walk, how you talk, how you follow Christ, what you do, what you commit. If you practice sin, beloved, you need to be praying for the God to have mercy upon your soul. This is the first mention of devil in this epistle, though John has reference to Satan as the evil one earlier in chapter 2, verses 13 and 14. By doing this, Jesus destroys Satan's work. This is the force of what John says next. He answers the question of how this is made possible. It is by spiritual birth and a new parentage. Beloved, we have a spiritual birth. That's why we have been born again and translated out of the kingdom of darkness into God's kingdom of His dear Son that we can serve God with all our heart, with all our soul, and with all our mind because we have a new heart, a new soul that loves righteousness. The first word refers to activity of living righteous. Righteously. And the second word refers to the state of character of being righteous. How we, how, how do we become a, how a character became righteous? By being born again. We have a new nature. Sometimes we take that for granted. We don't realize the importance of being born again. Beloved, if we weren't born again, we could do nothing good. Nothing. Now note the devil. I want to say a few things about the devil here. The, pres the present tense indicate that the devil has been sinning from the beginning. He's continually sinning, the devil, and still continues to sin. And that sinning is of his very nature. It's Satan's nature to sin. 
He loves sin and He infuses that sin, sin desires in all of His offspring by the fall of Adam and Eve. Now Satan doesn't beget anyone. Satan doesn't have the power to beget children. People are called the children of God because of one thing. We have the character of Satan in us when we're born. We are obeying his, his will as we're going to see. The evidence at that point is that all God, all people born have the seed of Satan in them. That's why they're practicing sin from birth. Now this is important that you get this. Remember that hell was prepared for the devil and his angels. So why do people go to hell? We'll get into this. It refers to the beginning of the world, of time, of human history, of presence of sin in the world, and to the devil's part in temptation of Adam and Eve. Remember God told him, The day thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. And it talks about the beginning of Satan's apostasy or falling from his steadfastness. And then we're going to see that the term Son of God is mentioned seven times in this epistle. The purpose of the Son of God was manifested. Chapter 3, verse 5, he says, And you know that he was manifested to take away our sins. And in Him is no sin. Aren't you glad that God the Son took away our sins? To be remembered no more against us. Hallelujah. Beloved, the sin question has been dealt with eternally by the Son of God. There's no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. We will never come under condemnation. Never. As we see as we go through this message this morning. In chapter 4, verse 15, he says, Whosoever shall confess that Jesus is the Son of God. He said, If you confess me before men, I'll confess you before my Father. God dwelleth in him, and he in God. That confession is, we're confession out of oneness with Christ. doesn't mean just with your lips. It means your confession of Christ is evidenced by the life you're living. That's what it's talking about, to confess Christ as the Son of God. And then chapter 5, verse 5, he says, Who is he that overcometh? The world. But he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God. What did eunuch tell Philip? I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And he baptized him immediately. People who don't believe that Jesus is the Son of God are not showing any evidence of salvation, as far as I'm concerned. All these false cults that deny Jesus being Son of God, that He was a created angel, He's this, He's that, but they won't admit that He's the Son of God, the eternal Son of God. They have no salvation because there's no salvation outside of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Because it says in 1 John 5, 12, He that hath the Son hath life. And he that hath not the Son of God hath not life abiding in him. Oh, beloved, these are, these are important truths that we need to get a foundation on. In chapter 5, verse 13, he mentions the Son of God. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God. That you may know, he wants you to know something, that you have eternal life. Beloved, if you're a believer this morning, you have eternal life and you cannot lose it. It's eternal. If it's eternal, it's not temporary. He didn't say temporary life. He said eternal life. 
If he'd have left it up to me to finish it, I know where I'd end up at. I know where you would end up at. But salvation, as Jonah said, is of the Lord. From beginning to end, from he that begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. He'll finish the work, Brother David. I wanted to build this morning, encourage you. Though John's talking about evidence, I want to encourage you both sides of this, that your salvation is secure in Christ. Beloved, we're safe. We're in the arms of the hands of the Father and in the Son. And he said, no man can pluck you out of my Father's hand. Hallelujah. Don't let Satan whisper in your ear, oh, you know, you're not saved. Now, he likes to do that. And sometimes reading these chapters and these verses where John is really putting a hammer down, he does put it down pretty strong. But he's saying basic, simple truth. If a person from beginning his life all the way through lives a life of sin, there's not much hope for that individual. If the grace of God don't intervene. And how can we know that we're a child of God? Well, one, one of the reasons we can know because we're believers. We believe in Jesus Christ. But the evidence of that is how we walk. We follow Christ. Jesus said, "He, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they what? They follow me. You will follow Christ. That's an evidence. Does it make you a child of God? Does it make you a sheep? But it's an evidence that you are one. Got to keep those two things in distinction. That you may know that you have eternal life and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. And then verse 20 of chapter 5, he says, And we know that the Son of God is come. And notice this next phrase. And have given us an understanding. An understanding. God wants us to know some things. Brother David will be dealing with that in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 17 through 20. He'll be dealing with that. Did you might know the hope of his calling. God wants you to know some things. Has given us an understanding we may know him that is true. We want to know the true and living God, not a false God. I want to know by experience God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. That is true. It's, you know, Paul speaks of the true and living God. And we are in Him. How do we get in Him? By the Father. We were put in Him. We were chosen in Him. That is true. Notice how he keeps in emphasizing that is true. That is true. Who is true? Even in His Son, Jesus Christ. He's the true God. And in Jesus Christ, whom God has sent. This is the true God and eternal life. So if you deny the Son, you don't have the Father either. See, a lot of the, a lot of the cults want to take the Father as God, but they deny Jesus as being God. John is saying, if you don't have the Son as God, you don't have the Father either. Because they're one. They're one. Oh, beloved, this is such precious teaching. Such precious teaching. The Son of God points back to His pre-existence as the eternal Son of God. Every time John mentioned the Son of God in here seven times, it's referring back to John 1.1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was manifested. He was tabernacled among us and walked among us. First John chapter 1, it speaks about we've seen Him, we looked upon Him, we handled the Word of life. He walked among them. Who? God, in human flesh, walked among the apostles. What a privilege that was. 
And remember, one day when that rapture takes place, when that glorious second coming takes place, we're going to see him as he is, and we're going to be changed into his likeness. And we shall see him for the first time as he really is. Oh, hallelujah. I'm looking forward for that day. All tears will be wiped away. No more sorrow. No more loneliness. No more sadness. No more pain. Because those things are all gone, Brother Roger. No wonder Paul says in Romans 8 that the sufferings of this present world cannot be compared to the glory that shall be revealed in us at that day. Beloved, yes, we suffer as Christians down here. But what's waiting us is more precious than all the suffering that we're going through. For this purpose, Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil as the Son of God. First of all, what did he do? By removing the curse of the law from us. Galatians 3.13 Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree. Jesus, when he was nailed to the cross, bore your curse in his body. Your curse and my curse. Not he. he was sinless. He was without anything. No sin in him. But our sin was imputed to our surety. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, and He He was made a curse on the tree for us, and He has removed that curse away from us. Mm. Hallelujah. Why are we free? Because Christ has removed the curse. How did He do that? He removed or He bore our sins. First Peter 2.24 says, Who His own self, not someone else, who His own self, bear our sins in His body on the tree, that we being dead to sin should live unto righteousness by whose stripes you were healed. Oh, beloved, all that we have is in Jesus Christ. By His stripes you're healed. Not by your works. We don't do works to get to be healed. We don't do works for salvation. Remember, there are evidences of salvation. The next thing we see, what did He do? He washed our sins away. Revelation 1.5 And from Jesus Christ, who is that faithful witness, He was faithful to witness for God the Father, and the first begotten of the dead, He's the first one to arise from the dead with a glorified body, and the prince of the kings of the earth, unto Him that loved us. Oh, Paul said, Who loved me, and died and gave Himself for me, in Galatians 2.20, unto Him that loved us, and washed us from our sins in His own blood. That's your righteousness this morning, beloved. You're justified, and you're washed by the blood of Jesus Christ. That's your standing before God. Nothing in my hands I bring. Nothing. Nothing do you bring. You, When you stand before God, God looks at the righteousness of Christ in you, not at what you are in yourself. We're going to have that garment of righteousness clothed over us. Oh, beloved, Jesus has washed our sins away. For how long? Forever. They should never be brought up against you again. The next thing Christ done for us, how did He destroy the works of the devil? He reconciled us to God. Romans 5, 10 through 11. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of His Son, 
much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by His life. How are you saved now in your present life? By His resurrected life. He said, because I live, you shall live also. You say, how can I live the Christian life now in this age? You live it by His resurrected power. He said, I'm not, when I leave you orphans, I will come unto you. And I will abide with you. And I will send you another comforter, the Holy Spirit, that He may abide with you for how long? Forever. Forever. And not only so, but we also joy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we have now received the atonement or reconciliation. Oh, beloved, Jesus has saved us and redeemed us and bought us and washed us in His blood. And the next thing we're going to see, as I mentioned earlier, He's coming back for us, Brother Day. This is how He delivers, destroys the works of the devil. First John 3, 2 and 3 says, Beloved, now we the sons of God are children of God. And it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when He shall appear, we shall be like Him, for we shall see Him as He is. And every man that hath this hope in Him purifieth himself, even as He is pure. As we look to Jesus Christ and His righteousness, that it makes us pure. We are pure by His righteousness imputed to us. Oh, beloved, great things He hath done. We sing that song, Hallelujah, what a Savior. Isn't he a wonderful Savior? That he would reach down and be willing to come and take on human flesh and die as our substitute and suffer the pains of hell, suffer the wrath of God because he loved you and I so much. Now, is it asking too much for Christ to say, if you love me, follow me, keep my commandments? I think that's a, that's a, a fair deduction. We love Christ. Look what he's done for us. There's nothing we can do to compare to that. We owe Him. Paul said, therefore you've been bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit and your soul, which are who? God. They belong to, we belong to God. He deserves it because He loves us. He deserves obedience because He bought us. And the main thing that John is teaching, if you've been born again, you will want to love Him. You'll want to follow Him. You'll want to be like Him. That's what makes us different from the world. Because we have the nature of God within us. God says, be you imitators of God as your children. Because we have God been born again, we have the nature that wants to imitate God. In verse 9, Whosoever is born of God doth not commit sin. For his seed remaineth in him, and he cannot sin, because he's born of God. It's talking about divine nature. Having a divine nature born of God does not say it cannot sin. It says he cannot sin. It's not talking about the nature cannot sin. And some people teach that, that the nature cannot sin, the new, the, the new nature. But he's talking about he cannot sin. Read what John's saying. But what that's saying again, remember what, here's my, why I hold the same case. It's talking about the practice of sin. He cannot practice sin because he's been born of God. He has the nature that gives him the desire to love Jesus, to follow Jesus, obey Jesus, so he cannot habitually practice sin. That's what that's saying. 
He cannot sin. He cannot practice sin. Because what? He's been born of God. Let me read you this verse in Second Peter. According as His divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of Him that hath called us to glory and virtue, whereby are given unto us a seeding and great promises that by these you might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. So we see Jesus is all in all. And then closing, everyone has been born, who has been born out of God with the present result that he is born once. In other words, because you've been born of God, you are presently a born again child of God. Does not habitually do sin. His seed refers to the principle of divine life in the believer being born out of God. Children of God are manifested by the habit of righteousness. Children of the devil are manifested by the habit of sin. That's the two things that show up in a person's life. Now, notice this in Ephesians 2.2. 2, Where in the time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince and power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. We all had walked in the course of this world. We all did. He says in verse uh, 3, among whom we all had our conversation in times past in the lust of the flesh. We all was doing the lust of the flesh before you're born again. Not some of us, but all of us. Fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind and were by nature the children of wrath even as others. Because we had the nature we received from our fallen parents, Adam and Eve, we have a nature that loves sin. That's why Jesus said again, I'm emphasizing, you must be born again. Must be born again. And in verse John 3.10 it says, In this the children of God are manifest, and the children of the devil. Whosoever doeth not righteousness is not of God, neither he that loveth not his brother. You of your father the devil. There's three verses quoted here. Children of the devil. John 8.44 says, You are your father the devil. And the lust of your father ye will do. That word ye will do there is in the present tense. In the words, you're of your father the devil because you are practicing sin just like the devil. Remember, Jesus said, hell was prepared for the devil and his angels and for those who follow Satan in the practice of sin. They go to hell because they practice sin. They practice sin and they're being punished for their sins. He was a murderer from the beginning and abode not in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own for he is the liar and the father of it. He says, you want to do the desires of your father, the devil. You want to do what he wants. You prefer to do what your father wants. You do exactly what he wants. You want to do what your father desires. You love to do the evil things he does. What you're wanting to do is what your father longs to do. They have the same attitude towards sin as the devil. They love to do lawlessness. And our world is going that way. We can see that the whole world is going, turning into lawlessness. They're falling to Satan. That's why there's so much confusion in the world today. That's what's happening. People are going against the law of God. They're going against Christ. They're going against the Ten Commandments. They're going against, they're calling good evil and evil good. 
And they're trying to reverse everything. But there's judgment day coming. And then in 1338 it says, The field is the world, and the good seed are the children of the kingdom, but the terrors are the children of the wicked one. And how do people become terrors of the wicked one? By practicing evil and loving sin. He cannot beget any children. Satan doesn't beget children. They become like him because they still have that seed in them and they love sin and they're following sin and they're doing wickedness. And that, and if they're never born again, they die. Christ said, if you believe not that I am he, you shall die in your sins. What does the phrase, the sons of the evil one mean? It refers to people who belong to Satan who are associated with him. They are those who ethically in nature is derived from Satan. They are characterized by wickedness. And that's what John is teaching. Children of the devil, children uh, uh, that follow him, their whole course is one of wickedness. It's not talking about the occasional sin. We all commit occasional sins. If we to confess our sins daily, Jesus taught that in the Lord's Prayer. Forgive us this day our what? Our sins, as we forgive those that trespass against us. Beloved, I hope a few of these truths will be a blessing to you and help you grow in grace and knowledge of Christ. This, this section, I've had to do a lot of studying and, and listen, I only gave you a little tip of the iceberg. This is very, very, I mean, there's so much in First John, but I hope you got enough to understand what John is teaching. And he's not teaching sinless perfection. He's not teaching that a child of God never commits sin anymore because that would contradict chapter 1, verses 8 through 10. And I pray as I start the next section that you'll pray for my study, pray for Brother Dave as he's studying on Ephesians, pray for Brother Roger as he's studying. One of these days we're going to get him back up here and uh, when he gets to fill in better. But be praying, I pray that uh, God will bless us and... uh we need to really study the Word of God. I pray that you'll get a desire for the things of God. Does anyone have a song in closing?